What is going on, everybody? I'm back, obviously. As you, if you followed my community settings on YouTube, you'll know that I put out a uh, little bit of a post asking what your guys' thoughts would be on me doing like a retrospective sort of thing, looking back on a past prior season. And um, the season that I said I was eventually going to do is Fresh Me Too. Obviously, you know, it's been about a month since I put that out. I was like procrastinating how and what I was going to do for it considering my options and um, finally just came around to doing it finally. And so I'm just, this is no, nothing scripted here. This is just me giving my unfiltered sort of thoughts. I rewatched the season back a couple weeks ago um, to kind of refresh my memory. And so, you know, Paramount plus, if you guys need, maybe you'll find something out about this that you didn't know, or maybe forgot about the season upon watching it the first time around. You can go back and look after watching this video. But, um, yeah, I'm just going to break down the season, get my thoughts, and um, let's just hop right in this thing. <clears throat> so, as you guys know, for any longtime listeners of my channel or interviews, my podcast episodes, I always ask guests that I've had on from Fresh Me Too. It's a tale as old as time on the Mike Lewis podcast. We talk about the house and I'm not going to re really regurgitate a, uh, a point that I've made that's kind of been beaten to a dead horse here, but I can't not acknowledge it. So I got to say, that's probably my favorite house in challenge history out of all the houses they've been to. They've been to now it's going to be 39 seasons that they've gone to houses 30 something other or 40 something if you include spin-off shows um this takes the cake as number one i mean episode one it opens up with a nice scenery shot you see british columbia whistler canada and um you see the cast walking in you can tell immediately off the bat here we're in a cold weather location um i believe this was shot in october of 20 2009 maybe and aired in 2010 something along those lines um but yeah this was definitely a cold weather location um which is kind of wasn't really the norm back then whatsoever as a matter of fact i think up to that point we, we were 18 seasons in um and we had really yet to see a cold weather location usually they're going to like I mean, we saw them go to, I believe it was Brazil for the duel. Um, hell, they were on a goddamn island in, uh, in um, Panama City for the island. Um, so they were doing Thailand a lot as well. So, yeah, they, they were kind of going to hot weather locations. This wasn't much of the norm going to a cold weather location, but I thought it was a welcome change. Um, you had some nice little set pieces there for if anybody's a nerd and looks to dissect kind of scenery and all that stuff and uh, set in the scene of an episode. So that was really cool. And I really enjoyed that. You had a log cabin type house. And I think if I recall correctly, the Olympics team for, I don't know if it was USA or another team, they were staying there some point after the challengers were there. So that's a nice little nugget there too. Um, I remember watching this as a kid I think I was probably about nine or 10, I want to say, when I first watched this. Um, and although this wasn't like my first season, it was my first full season that I watched.
because I was kind of indoctrinated um, around the time of Duel 2. I wasn't watching weekly, but my my aunt, who is a big fan, obviously her and my mom were fans of it. So that's how I got ingratiated into it. She would always record the episodes on DVR, and I would go down and watch with her. And um, we would watch the Duel 2 episodes back. And the first ever thing that I watched was Brad and MJ's Elimination. Um, I think it was called Dual Pole Dancing. It was the first clip of the challenge I ever saw. And so I caught the tail end of Duel 2. I was catching Ruins, some episodes live, not all, but I was I knew what was going on. But the very first full season from start to the end that I watched was Fresh Me Too. And I fell in love with the show. I will always kind of have a soft spot for all the fresh meters that came in on that on that show. Um, and uh, yeah, this was actually the last season that was kind of donned the because for those who remember back in the day, it wasn't the challenge. It was real world road rules. The challenge. This was the last season that had the real world road rules tagline at the, at the start of it. So. This really kind of, I wouldn't call it the end of an era necessarily because it was still like essentially the same thing afterwards for a while, but they definitely were trying to make it its own standalone show um, outside of the real world of Road Rules. And I think at that point, Road Rules was already like extinct for a couple of years, so it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to keep that tagline. But um, let's talk about this cast now, though, because... You want to talk, I personally, you look at the cast compared to the ruins and it doesn't necessarily scream as nearly as much star power, but in terms of how they cast it, especially the female side of things for the fresh meters, you had like multiple different, just like challenge hall of famers from Laurel. You had Car Maria, who essentially was like the female face of the, of the franchise for nearly a decade and then you know laurel's considered the most dominant female to ever step foot on this show both of them came from the same crop of fresh meters and then you throw in somebody like a teresa if teresa's like your third in the, in in terms of your rankings that's a pretty damn good top three because she is honestly and i always say this to anybody who's played, paid close attention to um any like my lives that I've done in the past, I've said that Teresa is kind of like the full package of what a challenger I think should be. Not afraid to make game moves, competes hard in the dailies, is a good competitor, good at, you know, final running, um, and then is not afraid to get into drama. Wrap that all up, wrap that all up into one, and you've got yourself a uh, complete challenger. So I really, and then you even throw in people like Mandy. Who, you know, she did like four straight shows, believe it or not. So, you know, they definitely did a great job with that. But I think on the veteran side, of that, you know, that was, you had Kenny and Wes, which we were at this, I think I would pretty much chalk this up to being like the height of their rivalry. And watching this live and being able to see that, anybody who lived through that rivalry, you know, people have their thoughts on both individuals, Kenny especially, but one can't deny the weekly television that we were given during this time period. 
this was the best rivalry, bar none, in challenge history. And um, to live through that was pretty nuts. Um, this was definitely like the uh, the height of it. And they definitely did a great job casting. They built the season around them too, and they did a really good job casting, I thought, because the season prior, you kind of had – Kenny had Johnny and Evan and um, even the females like Johanna and um, – I'm drawing a blank here. I think like EBs, other people were like very firmly in their camp um, against Wes. Even Derek was there too, and he was on their side. So Wes was pretty much outnumbered other than like Evelyn. We saw that kind of flipped on its head in a little bit of a sense here in that Wes had more numbers on his side. You gave him Danny. Um, Evelyn wasn't – I'll get to her in a second. She wasn't supposed to initially be there, but she ended up being there. Um, so there was that, and then you – you add in people like, um, like really rogue people who weren't involved in the, uh, you know, the build of this feud that we saw them kind of play double agent here, like Ryan, um, Jill, Jen, we had, you know, essentially outsiders to this integral story that ended up playing a pretty pivotal role, like kind of in the weeds a little bit. Um, with having to choose sides here. And I thought that added a uh, unique element to it by not casting like the same people that were with these two guys in prior seasons. Um, so that was really fun. Um, <laughs> we saw like, you know, I think I don't really recall off the top of my head if they had a combine for Fresh Meat 1, but we saw a Fresh Meat 2 combine, which most uh, most of those Fresh Meaters said that was pretty janky. <laughs> like they were running on uh they're running on like non-regulated grass and you see like clearly uh whoever's landscaping didn't take the time to cut that grass before they ran that 40 yard dash um so that was you know a little tongue-in-cheek but cool uh i guess given the given what they had to work with um but then we got to the draft here and i thought this was interesting because for years there was this rumor floating around that Darrell had actually picked Laurel like off camera and they reshot it and he picked Kara. I heard that there is some truth to that. Um, but that first pick ended up being, I wouldn't say what's decided the season, but very well could have because had Darrell picked Laurel and this is no shade to Kara Maria. She came into her own and was a beast in the years to come, but she hadn't really found her footing yet at this point. And I think she would even tell you that. Had Darrell drafted Laurel, I think this would have been like an entirely different season. Entirely. I can't say how it ends, but I could say that with great certainty, I think Kenny's season might have been a lot different. Um, we saw Jen pick Nor. Kenny ultimately picked Laurel with the third pick. I mean, you kind of look at that and say, if Darrell had picked Laurel first, who does Kenny end up with? He might have ended up with Kara. So a lot of those daily challenges, especially the first one, look a whole lot different. Um, something that doesn't get talked about a lot here is Danny and Wes both picked right after Kenny. And... Danny ended up picking Sandy and Wes took Mandy as history would play itself out. We would obviously learn that 
Teresa was a really good competitor. You know, say what you want, but, you know, she proved herself in dailies. Like, she won a mini final on double agents. She was dominant on X's, too. Like, she could go. Had Wes perhaps ended up with, like, a Teresa, maybe those daily challenges look different. So this draft, there was some uh, pivotal picks, but the story coming out of this was Landon ended up with the last girl pick, and he ended up with Carly. And uh, we'll get into this as you know the video plays itself out here, but everybody, Landon himself, had to call home, call home and let his family and let his job know, I'm probably going to be ending up coming home a lot earlier than initially anticipated. That was the outlook after the draft. And as we, you know, progress onward in the rest of this recap, you'll know that uh, that was all for naught. Um, other highlights, we saw Paula ask Jeff if he had a girlfriend. And the reason why I highlight this is I think this is an issue that we see in present day with the challenge. And this isn't me trying to throw shade, but. What resonated with so many people, and not to highlight Paula herself, but it's people and personalities like that, comments like that, organic and relatable comments. Little nuances like that is what audiences loved growing up watching this show, being able to resonate with it. Because you can almost see yourself in that position. Like, that's funny. Drafting somebody and basically it boils down to them having a girlfriend or not. Little things such as that go a long way. And like just the the commentary, the comedic side of the show. It showed that it wasn't all intense and all not serious. The show wasn't taking itself too serious. That's the point I'm making here. Um, you know, we saw Sarah pick Vinny. I thought it was weird that Pete slid as far as he did into the draft i think he was the third to last guy picked um you know that was kind of interesting because him falling to jill there they ended up making a pretty good team um so as we know the draft ends first night of the house luke didn't get picked by anybody there was one less girl and they said that one of the quote-unquote vets didn't make it into the country lost their passport and they had to bring somebody else in we all know evelyn was brought in as partner but it's been public knowledge now that it was actually supposed to be john a's first season as we know now john a is a two-time champ at that point john a herself will tell you this she hadn't come into her own yet she would have been you know first first challenge season right that season plays out way differently. And I think Evelyn being brought in, not many people would complain about that. I think that it added a whole lot more interest from a storyline perspective and a competitive side of things that uh, we would have not really had had, had Evelyn not been there. So it kind of worked out for the better. Um, and, you know, the, the theme that we saw throughout this season was Kenny and Laurel winning dailies they won most 
But before I get to their dominance, I think the thing that I want to highlight the most here is just how much fun the dailies looked. Comparing it to present times, we're seeing Olympic level, like sporty elements to the dailies that have been going on in the past, I'd say five, five or more seasons. What made these fun watches for fans is that it's something that pretty much almost anybody can do. The opening daily challenge, we're seeing people blindfolded having to run into like a mud pit and retrieve balls and run out with them. You don't need to be an Olympic level athlete to do that. There was like an even playing field and it was fun. I mean, you know, they had the one daily challenge when people were pushing up against a log against one another, essentially like a tug of war type, type thing. They had really cool daily challenges. Um, and this is an element that I think lacks in present day challenges. I do. I think if you bring back a little bit more of a fun element to things, something that the fans can sink their teeth into and be like, oh, oh, this is cool. Like they could actually analyze this and say, well, if I was in that situation, this is how I would do it. I don't think you're going to get too many average Joes sitting in front of their TV like, yeah, if I was jumping back and forth from a moving semi-truck going 50 miles per hour, I think I would have done it like this. That's the point I'm trying to make here. We saw a heavy party element. Another thing that I feel like isn't prevalent these days. Seeing the cast having fun. Um, I thought it was very neat. Um, Kara, obviously we mentioned earlier, this was her first go around. She hadn't found her footing yet. Had quite the reaction to being thrown in first. Um, and this is where we got the iconic West line of yelling, payback's a bitch, bitch. Because uh, Darrell had thrown him into, I think, four exiles on the first fresh meet. And they had quite a rivalry boiling over from the previous season as well with the ruins. And we actually saw Darrell at this point in time going into this. Darrell was undoubtedly considered by pretty much most people, I think, if you would ask them at that present time. He was the go to the challenge. He had four wins. Had won every time he had been there other than the ruins, and he kicked himself off when he had a free ticket to the final. He went home first. Him and Gar went home first. First elimination in exile, they lost in a big upset to Pete and Jill. At this time, this was the biggest upset in challenge history. And it's still up there. I mean, considering the reputations and, like, the banner-esque element that Carr and Darrell have and were referred to, to essentially lose the first elimination of a season to, you know, no disrespect to Peter Joe, like they, neither of them did another show after that. The equivalent of that, and then my WWE uh, folks that are watching this will get this reference. That's like if the Usos, that's like if the Usos lost their tag titles to Festus and uh, Jesse. <laughs> so 
We also saw the element of a little bit of a, another love triangle, the first of two, or the second of two, I should say, um, between Ke Kenny and Wex with uh, Teresa. That was funny. Um, I actually, to, to back up my point about Exiles, I wasn't a big fan of the Exile format. I really wasn't. I didn't, I didn't dislike it, but I thought, like, it could have been a little bit more innovative if they'd done actual eliminations. What I did like, though, is the rest of the house not being able to go to the elimination to watch it and being left in the dark as far as who's coming back and who won. I thought that was cool. The only thing I would have changed is I probably would have done a little bit similar to how Invasion of the Champions did it, where they essentially did the same thing. In the this is like in the very beginning, obviously, where they took like before they went to the Oasis, they would take the uh, participating competitors in the elimination and would take them to an off-site location and do the elimination without anybody there to watch, but with actual eliminations, not like a mini final, essentially. That's what I personally would have done in this format, but um, certainly taxing eliminations, no doubt. I mean, anybody who ran those was almost equipped to run a real final because borderline the same thing um you know i think another element is that by having these eliminations held privately you're not having crowds yelling down helping people out with the elimination like we obviously presently see is a big occurrence in uh you know today's day and age with the challenges um and yeah that was also Darrell's last time we ever saw him until invasion so to know, if you were to watch that live and said, yeah, we're not going to see Darrell for like seven more years, you'd have been like, like baffled. <laughs> but that was the reality of it. And then Kara, obviously, you might have thought that would have been the last time you saw her. But she went on to become essentially the face of the franchise. Um, so, yeah, we saw a lot of political moves being made by both sides and it was really Wes who it's that old expression if you give someone enough rope they're gonna hang themselves and Wes essentially ended up having that happen he turned on his best friend Danny was making empty promises to people and then it was ultimately him who kind of crapped the bed there and that exile cramped up and it was almost like a uh, a prelude of what was to come a couple of seasons later on rivals one in that final but that's you know a story for a different day um we saw some romance stuff happen pete and uh jen and pete ended up dating for a little bit after this show um and pete was actually supposed to do cutthroat with jen but he didn't at the last second so we didn't really get to see that relationship unfold on a future season but Nice little nuance nugget. Um, we saw Paula with one of the best lines in the entire franchise during her exile with Jeff. Jeff was kind of, you know, crapping the bed in his own right. And then Paula dropped the whole line of, I don't remember the exact line. She said something about, like, I'm a trombone player with, with something, something. <laughs> like... You're gonna have to watch it. It's 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 hilarious. Um, and then yeah, so 
we ended up getting a final consisting of Laurel and Kenny, Landon and Carly, Jill and Pete, and Jen and Noor. And one of the most dominant, I'd argue the most dominant, final performance we've ever seen by a single competitor. Landon being able to and give Carly her flowers. She, you know, she she put up here when it mattered most. But Landon, what he was able to do and pushing Carly to win that final against Kenny and Laurel. Incredible. And I know many people over the years were sad that we didn't ever get to see Landon again. I almost feel like in some way, this was the send-off. There's nothing else that you need to see from Landon. This is who he was. He wasn't there to, you know, get into fights and act obnoxious. He was there to compete. He was a nice guy. He supported his partner the entire way. It was a redemption arc. We saw him kind of dominate on Duel 2. That was his most dominant season as a whole, Duel 2 was. And it was the only season he didn't win. Right at the end. He comes back here. Has his redemption arc. And wins that check. On a snowy mountain in Whistler, Canada. And then vanishes into the night. Only to never basically be, be, be here from. Or be heard from. Uh, you know, again for the most part. <laughs> for over a decade. That's just who he was. And I feel like in some selfishly, you want him back, you know, because you kind of feel like he would win every year or every season that he's on every year. But if you were to write an ending for him, that, that's the one. That's the one. And so how I would characterize this season, I don't see it referred to highly enough. By I feel like it's underappreciated. I think this was a very – if you if you're on the fence about this season or you know you need to show a season to a fan this is one of them that I'm showing it's a, it's a simple formula to follow it's very fun it's got something for everybody you got a party aspect you got social commentary you got unique fun challenges this was great I love this season. It's always going to be near and dear to my heart. It's why I have such a soft spot for a lot of the Fresh Me Too cast members. Um, and just all around, great fun rewatch. If you guys haven't seen it yet, I would highly suggest go back and watch. And um, I would actually, you know, <laughs> production wanted any tips from fans at all on like what or how to book. A future season, I think this was definitely one of those that you should go back and, you know, do your due diligence on because this was great. Um, if you guys enjoyed this video, um, drop a comment below. Give me a like. It really helps out. And let me know a future season to potentially rewatch and even give like more of an in-depth, you know, reaction to because I'd like, like to do that if that's something you guys would be interested in. Um, hoping in the future I could, you know, string together some more consistent videos for you guys. I know over the last year or so, you know, my, my appearances have been a lot more sporadic. I could hopefully get into that in, in a, you know, a future video, you know, went through some stuff, but, um, 
certainly miss the the full time thing being here and stuff with you guys. And I could uh, you know hopefully do some more interviews and with the challengers in the coming future. Um, once uh, once you know another All Stars show possibly comes out because that'd be nice and maybe even flagship too if I get to it. But uh, thank you guys as always. Um, and yeah, see you in the next video.